this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath can novak djokovic win a record 24th grand slam title this question is one of the central themes of the 2023 wimbledon championship that got underway yesterday if the serb manages to do it not only will he equal margaret court's record of 24 grand slams the highest across both genders he will also equal roger federer's men's record of 8 wimbledon titles and with nadal out of the picture for the rest of the year he will be on track for a calendar grand slam and perhaps put to rest the goat debate once and for all but how much of a favorite is he really this year what are the chances of the new world number 1 carlos alcaraz uh, pipping him to the post and who are the favorites in the women's draw we discuss all this and more in this wimbledon preview podcast and we have with us n sudarshan from the hindu sports bureau sudarshan thank you so much for joining us uh, thank you sampat thank you very much for having me here uh so sudarshan wimbledon uh, as we know last year it was marred by plenty of controversy Russian and Belarusian players were banned over the Ukraine war and in retaliation the ATP took away ranking points uh, from Wimbledon it all left a bad taste in the mouth of both the players organizers and even uh, the fans of the sport so how different are things looking this year is it has it been controversy free is everything uh, hunky dory uh Wimbledon this year uh, i feel it's back to its uh, usual pomp and glory uh the russians and belarusians uh, have been welcome back and uh, ranking points have been restored as well uh which actually makes the tournament pretty interesting because none of the players are actually defending any points from last year and with the russians and belarusians actually coming back we have uh, sabalenka who is back in contention the world number 2 wimbledon was actually where she made her first slam semi in 2021 so that should be an interesting name to watch out uh she lost narrowly to pliskova back then uh, so she is back as well so it's a it finally feels like a full strength uh, wimbledon uh, i mean the only uh, people who are missing are basically because of injuries and uh, the regular tennis stuff but none of the off the court stuff yes yeah, speaking of full strength wimbledon it's a bit of a downer that uh, the last year's finalist nick kyrgios is not going to be uh, playing this year yeah that is what actually makes the men's draw a bit uh, lopsided i would say you have uh, two very eye catching names at the top in uh, alcaraz and uh, djokovic and the rest of the field is uh, pretty uh, open and it was pretty sad to actually see that uh, kyrgios pulled out because he is one with uh, genuine grass court game and we all saw how well he played last year and uh, what damage he can do so that's a bit of a downer like you said yes right and coming to uh, the big question about djokovic's chances now he's coming to the event without really any preparatory tournament not that one would insist that he needs one uh, but unlike say alcaraz who played at queens club and actually won the tournament he doesn't he is coming straight from the clay courts of uh, roland garros uh, to the grass courts of wimbledon so how do you rate his chances would he be able to adapt uh, to the change in surface Uh, we know that he played the first round yesterday and uh, like how do you um, based on what you have seen so far how do you assess his chances i would actually give him pretty high chances uh and he was pretty clinical in yesterday's uh, win as well 
and Djokovic has not played a competitive preparatory tournament for years now. I think the last time he played a Wimbledon warm-up was in 2018 uh, and he lost in the final to Marin Cilic over three very competitive sets. Cilic, champion at Queen's for a second time. An absolutely superb fight back by the tall Croat. What an effort from both men. What a brilliant final we have witnessed. So in this facet, he's a bit like uh, Bjorn Vogue who would come straight from uh, French Open and start practicing on the grass from a week before. So, uh, so for the past four years that he has been the champion, he has actually not played the uh, warm-up uh, at all. So, And there was also a very interesting stat that I saw which uh, basically said that Djokovic pre-tournament numbers, that is, he, has, he had 86 wins uh, before the first round this year, which were actually more than the combined rest of the top 20. So, that much of a heavy favourite he is going into this year's tournament. And like you mentioned, considering he's halfway towards the Grand Slam, he's uh, motivated to stretch his uh, record major tally. He can actually become the highest in the Open era if he actually uh, wins one more. So, I think he has enough uh, and more motivations and he also looks in very fine fettle. So, I think uh, he has very high chances. Of doing well, right. I mean, there is no, uh, there is no question that he'll be very highly motivated. He's spoken about it. He's not about to rest on his laurels. He's quite hungry for more success. So, among the others, uh, who are the players uh, you expect to go deep, if not altogether, stop uh, Djokovic from from his next title? Uh, Alcaraz is one name that uh, springs up immediately. And uh, he played the Queen's tournament, uh, the warm-up, and actually won it. Uh, I would say he needed the tournament because he had only played two grass events all his life before that uh, Queen's tournament. And those two were Wimbledon uh, editions of 2021 and 2022. Uh, but in Queen's, he did show that he was learning how to play on grass. He actually beat uh, three tricky guys in Dimitro, Sebastian Koda, and Alex Diminor. He employed the slice pretty well. And he has always had net advances as part of his game. And his forehand is clean, powerful. Interestingly, you could also see how aggressively he positioned himself to the baseline as compared to how he used to uh, stand on clay. And this position, aggressive positioning actually helps you get into the point quicker. And uh, since the ball comes at a lower angle on grass, so you can take it a bit early. And you can't wait back and take a full uh, swipe at the ball like you would do on slower surfaces. So he, there are signs that he is adapting pretty well. And he also, what do you say? I think the last guy to actually win both Queens and Wimbledon was Murray in 2016. Uh, we'll see if Alcaraz can actually uh, emulate that record. But other than these two, I feel the field is pretty open. There's no Nadal, there's no Federer, and there's no Kyrgios as well. Uh, Francis TFO won a Wimbledon a warm-up event. Uh, so did Chris Eubanks. But... I am not sure. I mean, uh, TFO is top 10 material, has been in the top 10 recently, but I don't know if he can string together seven wins uh, together. Fritz was a quarter finalist last year, was two sets up against Nadal uh, and was in a winning position, but uh, he couldn't break through. But of late, he has not been in very good form. Sinner, who was two sets up against Djokovic last, in the last quarter final, uh, he has had a bit of a wobble in recent uh, tournaments. He did have a very good uh, opening round win. So, if he can build on that, he can do. Uh, he can be a handful. 
See, this has been happening quite a lot with Sinner, hasn't it? He sort of flatters in the early rounds and then suddenly somewhere around the quarterfinal, fourth round stage, he sort of fizzles out. That's sort of been happening repeatedly with him and he's considered widely as one of the biggest talents in the game. He has beaten Alcaraz recently, but he doesn't. Something seems to go wrong in the later stages of the tournament with him. Yeah, he 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 seems to have a pattern where he uh, doesn't really do well when uh, we all expect him to. But uh, I still feel age is on his side. He'll learn. He's still 22. Uh, I think some of it is also perception because uh, while we were all waiting for other players to develop pretty late, because how much further in their careers these big three and the big fours were playing, and suddenly you have Alcaraz who has become a prodigy. So we sort of look through that lens, uh, and I also, I, I mean, I do agree with you saying where you say that Sinner has flattered to deceive, but uh, I feel we can still uh, give him some, uh, I mean, at least a year or two before he uh, fully makes good use of his potential there. Right, and what about this this mid generation, or some would say the lost generation of players like Tsitsipas and Zverev? They, I mean, have they sort of fallen a level below the likes of Djokovic and Alcaraz? Are they like? Now going to be like you know, semi like serial semi finalist kind of a scenario. Are they anyway? Are they are they likely to be contenders at all anymore? Based on the recent evidence we've seen, it does actually look like that. Uh, and especially on grass, it looks very accentuated because uh, none of Medvedev, Rublev, Zverev, or Sisipas has made it past the fourth round here. Right, and which is very odd uh, when you consider that. You were actually looking at them as the next generation after the big three, uh, who were coming up, and it has also been a bit of a dampener for Felix because uh, he has had two back-to-back first-round exits. Now he lost in the first round again yesterday. He had lost in the first round in French Open. So and then the Brit Cameron Nori, who was the semi-finalist, and he has not been in great form. Berrettini, the finalist in 2021, he has had his share of injuries. Uh, last year he was coming back from a hand injury, and this time he's coming back from an abdominal uh, injury, and he is in close to the 40s. So that's what prompted me to actually say that it's pretty hollow or pretty open when you you have two names at the top, and then it's pretty open. I would say Hurkaj is still there. He beat, famously beat Federer in his last match at Wimbledon, uh, but he has it in him to uh, actually threaten. But uh, whether he can win it, whether he can consistently challenge across seven matches, that remains to be seen. So this is why I I do feel that Djokovic is the overwhelming favourite and uh, Alcaraz is the second favourite. Right. Now, coming to the women's draw, uh, will it again be settled between the big three of Ribakina, Sabalenka and Schwantek, do you think? Or can we expect some surprises from the like of uh, Mukova, who made it to the French Open final and Kavitova and so on? Uh, there are room for surprises. Uh, last year, we did see uh, Tatiana Maria be, being in the semifinals, which is a great story. Uh, a mother of two who actually made the great run uh, at the age she did. So that was one uh, happy story. And there are all, there's always room for such stories. But the trio of uh, Rebakina, Sabalenka and Shiontek seem to be the leaders. But the free field, I feel, is pretty strong. There is uh, Jabor, the 2022 finalist, and Mukova. Uh, prefers the faster surfaces. Clay was not uh, her preference, but she did so well in uh, Roland Garros. And she likes the faster courts. Uh, she has a great mix of uh, slice, drop shots, and volleys. And her athleticism is something uh, great. So her USP is variety, and grass is a surface which actually rewards varied skills. And Quito actually has the game, 
because she is a two-time champion. Uh, she has a big uh, frame. She has the serve and she hits very powerfully through the court. But her record since winning in 2014 has been pretty ordinary. She hasn't progressed past the fourth round. And even fourth round was just once. That was in 2019. So she has actually flattered to deceive on what is considered her favorite surface. Like last year, she has won a warm-up this time as well, uh, warm-up event. So we'll see if she can convert or extend that success. Sophia Kenin seems to be charged up. Uh, she beat uh, Coco Goff in the first round. Uh, she has a crafty game. Whether it would be enough to win on grass, we'll see. Because she's she just came through the qualifying and then uh, she beat Coco Goff in the first round. Has she sorted out uh, the issues she had with her dad? I think her dad was a coach and they had some kind of uh, falling yeah, that out. Seems, that, yeah, yeah, that seems uh, settled now. Because at least she's uh, able to consider, completely concentrate on the tennis. Uh, that, that was the latest news uh, we did see. Yeah. Right. So, Dushan, you spoke earlier about uh, Mukova having a, a strong slice. I mean, how important is this slice on a grass court? Is it like a particularly useful uh, stroke to have on grass compared to other surfaces? Like, what difference does it make as compared to somebody who doesn't have a potent slice? I do feel slice is very important on grass. Uh, one, because it's a great defensive option. Because the ball comes at you so fast and so low that uh, there are a lot of returns that you just block. So the sliced block from the backhand side thus is a very, very uh, good defensive weapon. Federer used to do it. Barty does it. And even Alcaraz in Queens, he was slicing and blocking his returns way more than he would on clay. Because on clay, you get a full uh, swipe at the ball because after pitching, it comes at a slower pace. But here, it just skids through. So, where a ball might go even, say, hip-high on clay, it might be knee-high here. So, you can't really bend low and uh, take the ball. So, the slice is pretty important in just keep keeping the ball in play. And it also a great... Uh, it disrupts the rhythm of the other person. Especially if you are somebody like Beretini who likes pace on the ball. This actually uh, gets everything out so that you have to generate your own pace. And it's actually a great defensive option as well as a great disruptor, I would feel. Right. I think that is one of the things which makes uh, Wimbledon an interesting tournament to watch uh, compared to the uh, other uh, clay court and grass uh, hard court swings of the year. Now, coming back to the the women's side of uh, the competition, now world number one, Schwantek, uh, she's one of the favourites. She's won the French Open and, and, and she's a former US Open champion as well. But she hasn't approved herself on grass as yet. And she has gone on record saying that she believes that the best players should be able to win on any surface. And even though grass is not her preferred surface, she's confident of doing well. Do you think she has the game as yet to sort of win on grass at Wimbledon? Or do you think that's still a work in progress? Uh, I do feel it's still a work in uh, progress. Uh, we can actually look at uh, what she has in her game, which can be effective on grass first. Uh, she has a decent serve, but she has a very good uh, slice serve, which is a good second serve option on grass. Pete Sampras used to use it so well uh, to actually uh, make the second serve a weapon. So, Shiontek has it in her to do that. She has a pretty uh, aggressive mindset, I would say. And uh, she also has this ability to get low on shots because the gra on grass, the ball bo doesn't bounce that much. So, if you have that athleticism in you to actually go low and play those shots, it helps on these lawns. 
and um, but the her problem seems to be uh, something to do with her grip, which is they call. I mean, it's the Western grip, uh, which which is which is quite extreme the way she plays it. And whenever she actually hits the ball, the racket face actually closes. And when the ball is comes comes at you very fast, you you have that much little time to actually execute that forehand. So you have to literally whip the forehand and get it very very fast. Yesterday, actually, on commentary, Ren uh, Stubbs, who is an Australian commentator and coach, actually was flagging this as an issue with Coco Goff because she was not able to hit her forehand forcefully through, and with her grip, she was not able to do that. So, Shiontek somehow compensates. Uh, it for it better because she is quicker through the air the way she swings the forehand but it can be an issue the other thing is actually movement so how do you move on grass the footwork uh, there was a very very interesting uh, exchange that uh, Christopher Eubanks actually put it up on uh, Twitter this is actually a WhatsApp exchange that he had with Kim Kleisters where he is telling uh, Kim Kleisters that he doesn't like grass simply because he needs 17 steps to actually change direction when he slips goes to a corner so what he's basically saying is when you are moving towards a corner you have to take shorter steps you have to deaccelerate, turn and then accelerate again on hard you can just plant your foot and spring back with just one motion so a lot of people struggle with this footwork at the corners so shion tech has also uh, might also be struggling with that I wouldn't say struggling, but she's not used to it. So this is something if she can add to her game going forward, uh, she can actually be a pretty good uh, grass court player. Right. Footwork uh, and her grip. But speaking of Western grip, Sudesh, I mean, isn't it a, like a, a pretty common grip? I mean, we know semi-Western is the most common grip that is that is on tour uh, that you can see. But I think Jack Sock made this Western group pretty uh, popular among amateur players, and he's been doing pretty well as well. So is is that really an issue? Because uh, I, I imagine that's what gives her this humongous topspin, uh, that extreme Western group. Uh, won't that topspin help her on grass as well, or is it going to be that much of a problem? It it is not an issue as long as you can actually swing the forehand pretty quickly. Uh, which is what Berrettini also has a very extreme Western grip, like you mentioned, Jack Stock as well. But uh, their forehand motion is very, very swift. And Shiontek also executes it pretty swiftly. So I don't think it is as much a problem for her, but it is certainly a problem for Co- someone like Coco Goff because she has a very extreme Western grip, but she's not able to swing through it uh, quick enough. So in the end, it just seems like a glide more than a shot. So, for people with extreme Western grips, they need to be pretty quick with their forehand motion. Uh, That's the impression we get. Right. Now, uh, coming to one of uh, the legends of the sport who uh, who was seen in action yesterday, Venus Williams. She played and she lost in the first round. And I was just wondering, I mean, there are many who would say that players of her stature should should only enter the draw if they have a realistic chance of winning or being competitive at this level. I didn't get a chance to watch the match. I believe she was leading before she slipped. Uh, and then that sort of changed the complexion of the game. But what do you think of uh, her decision to play at the age of 43, when almost everybody retires, and her uh, fancying her chances and so on? Uh, I wouldn't actually hold it against her. Grass is her favourite surface. She's a five-time champion. And prior to Wimbledon, she actually played three very good 
the three set matches and there was one great win over Camila Gorgi as well uh, even against Vitolina her play was pretty good until she had that fall like you mentioned uh, so i don't quite agree with the view that uh, pedigreed players or past greats or greats for that matter shouldn't be entering tournaments if they don't have a realistic chance uh, of winning because these players time and again have sort of uh, shown you that they live more for the competition rather than the accolades and the prizes yes winning is important but players value their effort more than the outcome uh, that is the kind of maturity you actually develop as you age as you play through your career maybe it might not be at the start of the career but when you reach the middle stages of your career or towards the end of your career that's when you start appreciating the effort more rather than the outcome a simple example is nadal because he has no reason whatsoever to come back and play he can so easily just wind up and go but he still wants to make that comeback maybe not because he has another title in him but he lives for that competition and he loves the loves the uh, action on the court so he's still plotting a comeback for years federer was asked to retire when he was losing those close matches i think in 2015 and 16 but he didn't and look at the kind of success he had at the end so i would actually look at it this way for fans it might be a bit painful to watch their heroes fail but i feel it's great for sport you can actually uh, look at the present day struggles as a good indicator of yesteryear greatness i would say uh, how they tend to problem solve when they don't have the powers they once had and uh, how they go through their things when things are stacked against them and it's also a good indicator of how high their level was at one point that the current struggles are looking like an eyesore to the fans so it's a fascinating window i would say into understanding what made these great champions great so i would feel we can have more of it and each one of us can actually learn from it as well right i think you you sort of uh, put your finger on on it when you said uh, you know that it's painful for for the fans to watch i think that's exactly the issue it's not so much uh, the players wanting to you know keep going and put in more effort and it and as you said it does throw uh, a light on 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 their past greatness if you're going to see them make the extra effort to reach that level and 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 not quite make it and of course federer and nadal i think even though they went on uh, when they no longer needed to i think it was quite clear that they were going on only because they felt and we all could see that they were able to compete at the top level but one cannot i think quite say the same thing in terms of federer and nadal's example for venus because nobody really would have considered her one of the favorites but every tournament nadal has played right from the australian open which he won uh, last year uh, down to the french open and everything and even federer uh, until his last tournament he was always a favorite or one of the favorites but i think yeah nobody enjoyed watching hurkacz bagel uh, federer in his last wimbledon set ever you know uh, that was quite yeah. painful to watch even for those who would have wanted him to go on anyway so coming to the uh, yeah you wanted to add something solution to this uh no i think i uh, did uh, yeah there's nothing there yeah yeah so come I in we are running out of time so one final question which is to do with the indian challenge is there an indian challenge or is it down to the as usual 43 year old rohan bopanna to keep our flag going at wimbledon this year yeah he's the lone uh, man in the main draw uh, i think ankita raina was in the singles qualifying but she lost uh, yuki and saket were in the doubles alternate list but they didn't quite make it 
didn't you give a winner an atp doubles tournament recently with uh, yeah, he, did, someone? he did win in the last week uh, with uh, lloyd harris that was his first atp 250 title uh, so that will uh, push up his rankings maybe uh, it will help him get into the us open but uh, not in the immediate uh, i mean it didn't help him for wimbledon because i think the seedings were done by then and uh, bopanna has actually had a great year he won in indian wells and then doha is back in the top 10 and he's also playing with a good partner, uh, Matthew Ebden, who is actually the defending Wimbledon uh, doubles champion. He won it with uh, Max Purcell last year. And that was a great uh, five-set match, the final. Uh, this year, from this year on, we'll be watching only three-set doubles, uh, which is in line with the other slams. So, Bopanna is the lone Indian, and uh, but he's in good form. Uh, we'll hope for something uh, good there. Right, and and incidentally, he's the same age as Venus Williams. So, so there you go, you know. So yes, yeah, it is no bar uh, when it comes to competing at the top. Thank you so much, Sudarshan. It was a pleasure talking to you, and hopefully, all our listeners will tune into Wimbledon and have a ball for the next uh, couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. In focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.